What do you want? Screaming queens. Listen, I am two seconds away from calling the police. Screaming Queens Horror Podcast. What do you want? Screaming Queens Horror Podcast to your death. Something is trying to get inside my body, and you want to sleep with me. Better give me those shoes, they're mine. Give them back to me. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Hey, shouldn't you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jock straps? It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else gets the hose again. What have you done to its eyes? I see no manhood between your legs. You're going to need death now. <laughs> the living dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Get away from her, you bitch. It was an asylum. And it was hell. 20 years of pure hell. The devil wins sometimes. What's that? Monsters. Hello everybody, welcome to this episode of Screaming Queens, the podcast with the Queer Eye View. A horror podcast, that should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be your host for this episode tonight. What's your name? And, yeah, I'll tell you now. <laughs> Stop <laughs> rushing. Fuck <laughs> are you? Stop <laughs> rushing. Who are you? How did you get in here? <laughs> I'm Jonathan Butler. I'm Jonathan Larkin. I'm Mort Infinity. Uh, I'm Stephen Moore. You forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just remember. So, and so the film that we're going to be talking tonight, we've just watched. It was the first time watched for Steve, so we're going to get his instant reaction. No, 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 no. No, no, not right now. Talk. There were moments when Stephen giggled and clapped, though, so that's a good sign. No, I'm just setting the scene. I say it's a film I've seen many times and I love. And that film is, of course, Night of the Hunter. Creative, electrifying impact. The night 
of the hunter. So, Night of the Hunter yep. is adapted from a novel written in 1932 about a corrupt minister turned serial killer. I'm not reading this straight from Wikipedia <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> Who attempts to charm an unsuspecting widow and steal $10,000 hidden by her executed bank robbing husband. That sums it up pretty well. So, when did you first hear um, I can't, to be honest, I can't remember. It was a long time ago, probably when I was 18, 19, oh. something like that. I, a bizarre, well, it's a bizarre story, but when I was younger, I got run over and broke my ankle. Oh. So I was just like housebound for um, like three months. So oh. I just watched a lot of films in like those three months. I was literally, I'd watch like five, six films a day because I had not much else to do. <laughs> And this was one. Right? And this was yeah. I, I've watched so many films around this time, and I yeah. think this was probably caught up in the middle of that. And I just, I just loved it. It's just amazing. The film stars Robert Mitchum is the is the the main character. He's Harry preacher. Powell, the preacher. I think in the novel he, he doesn't actually have a name, but he's gave him a name for the for the film. He just well, called the reason why he gave him a name, uh, but we'll go into that later. Oh, okay, oh. fair enough. Oh, watch this space, man. Mm-hmm. I know. She's brought facts. <laughs> Ladies <laughs> mystery. Yeah. <laughs> and facts. Yeah. <laughs> Mysterious facts. <laughs> also stars Shelley Winters as Willa. Yes. Willa, Willa Harper. Harper. Willa Harper. Ben Harper, the husband who um, dies. He doesn't get very far in. He's played by Peter Graves. Mm-hmm. Most people know from Mission Impossible on airplane, mm-hmm. and then Lillian Gish as well. She's Miss Cooper. She plays Miss Cooper, mm-hmm. a uh, older lady who adopts children during the Depression. And everyone will know Lillian Gish because she was queen of the screen during the silent <laughs> film. <laughs> okay, obviously everyone knows Lillian Gish. All my younger viewers will know. I'm very familiar with the back catalogue. <laughs> One of Martin's teenage icons. Yes. <laughs> she was America's sweetheart. <laughs> During the actual depression. <laughs> so it doesn't take much for us to find like a queer link with any film that we watch, but there's a big one with this, isn't there? Yeah, well, I only actually, well, it's probably, I should have known a long time ago, but I only discovered today that, um, well, I knew Charles Lawton was married to Elsa Lanchester, who's obviously the bride of Frankenstein. That's gay enough. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then, but in, the, in her diary memoirs, released in the 80s, I think it was, she said that he, he was gay all along and had multiple affairs with many men over the years. Mm-hmm. So Charles Lawton directed this movie. The only film he did direct. So was this one of those films that when it first came out, it got like a lot of bad press? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely hated it. Absolutely yeah. that's, yeah. And that's why he didn't make another film. He was so... He was so distraught. He was so distraught about not... People not getting it and it not doing well because the the studio wouldn't give him any money. To, basically, uh, the studio wouldn't give him money to make any more films. He did want to make another film. It was only I think fairly recently that people have started to recognise the film as the masterpiece that it is. Really, it's it's so like you've really got to put yourself in the world a bit, haven't you? Yeah, and I think for a lot of people that was probably a bit of a struggle. Yeah, back then I could see why people in the fifties wouldn't enjoy it. But I think if. For a more modern audience, if you've watched Twin Peaks or Blue Velvet, it almost reminds me a little bit of weird, sort of weird mm. setting and storytelling in a way. Yeah. American Gothic. Yeah. I feel like you could tell me it was made like this year and that it was just like a hipster indie film. I probably <laughs> believe you. Yeah. Like it has that kind of aesthetic and vibe that feels mm. a lot more ahead of its time than what it was. It, it took 30 years before people actually got onto the 
got onto it. 55 was it? Was it yeah. released? Yeah, it come. yeah, it's well ahead of its time. And then also very in the past. <laughs> yeah, simultaneously. Um, but it is... It, it, for me, it's like it's ahead of its time because of the old things it referenced. Mm. Yeah. So loads of American stuff at the time wasn't really that interested in expressionist cinema. No. It, that wasn't a reference that people were rushing out to... No, definitely to not. me, was it? It's, it's the depression and expressionism. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not yeah. a combination that really goes together, is it? <laughs> no, but somehow it's, it does, yeah. in, in a weird way. Because the 50s, the 50s is about looking forward, wasn't it? It's yeah. about, yeah. we're putting things out into space, yeah. and you, one day we might put a man in space, and yeah. you, yeah. it's about atoms. rockets and atoms and mm. nuclear power and the atom bomb yeah. and... Yeah. The Cold War, and yeah. it's about looking forward, and it's about people getting fridges and tellies in every <laughs> yeah. house, and getting invaded by aliens. Yeah. Well, this well because that was the boom of the the early fifties sci fi, wasn't it? Yeah, the B movies, the Night of the Hunter. Then why? So I'll just throw this one at you right now. Why are horror? First of all, why are horror fans drawn to it? And B, why are we as a horror podcast? Talking about it, I think Robert Mitchum's performance in it, I think, is just so menacing. Mm. I think there's a, just real horror to it, mm. and it's and again, it's like this is this is real. Well, as Martin's mm. kind of hinted at already, it is based on something that actually happened. Mm. So this is horror that you, you know we get in real life, mm. and why should people be interested? It's because it's a great film. I think there's a sort of it's not it's not a camp classic, but there's definite campness mm. sprinkled oh, yeah, all oh, the way through it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a good reason why a queer podcast is looking at it. I think the other reason is about subversion, and that's, I guess that's part of camp, isn't it? But it's that subverting of of, of religion being in, being infallible mm. and being pure and being innocent, and actually you it, it's subverted and there's evil riven through it all the time, and people and the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of, yeah. of sort of small town America, how people can love the preacher and hate the serial killer yeah they're the same person <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's only minutes yeah minutes or days before yes i think that the religion theme throughout it all is really interesting and i like the fact that it's not one-sided either like you have this kind of dark depiction of a man who's using his religion to justify like evil evil acts but then who turns out to be one of the main protagonists at the end is also a very very religious person but she's known to be like good still so it's not religion is bad. It's religion can be bad and religion can be really good. It depends on the person who's using it themselves. And I think that's quite deep because it could have been easy to just go one-sided. It's interesting because that character, the Lily English character, is good in spite of religion, isn't it? Because mm. if you think she's taking in children who are born to unmarried mothers, yeah. that's apparent, and she recognises that the children in her care, some of them will become unmarried mothers and she's not judgmental about that in any way. She's not moralistic about it in any way. She just accepts. She's really, really forward-thinking, actually. She's Incredibly forward-thinking character in terms of thinking, actually, this is just about people's search for connection and love. Mm. And I you, and she just completely gets that and she doesn't judge it. She's just... That's just life, and she will care for those children or care for their child, their children, no matter what they do in that regard. And yet, Robert Mitchum exploits people's mm. love of religion to be you know, for for evil ends and their yeah. vulnerabilities. 
I think a queer audience can really identify with a lot of what goes on in this film because you've got vulnerable young people on the run from a murderous religious zealot. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the subversion of the nuclear family and that sort of thing where that ability or that necessity really in the queer experience where you have to forge your own family and find it wherever you can find it find it wherever you can get it Mm. Um, and I think there's lots of young kids who would have been in a situation similar to the young kids in this film whether they're being chased by the bad man or whether they've just got no family and they're they're sort of cast asunder in middle America um, with no one to love them who would just love someone like Miss Cooper to come along and be their mum and who would say I don't necessarily judge you for what your your life is turning out to be I don't judge you for that but I do see the flaws in it and I do see the trouble you're going to get yourself into if you do it the wrong way so you know I understand that like you said like mm. you're, you're just looking for love but she only, her only concern is to we're probably we're skipping right ahead but there's yeah. that character What's Ruby the themes, isn't it? There's, yeah. there's that character Ruby and she and her only concern for her is that she becomes a strong upright woman she doesn't mm. say a pure woman she doesn't say a married woman yeah she just yeah. says a pure upright woman so she's actually her only concern isn't about she teaches them morality and she teaches them lots of bible stories and all of that morality but actually her only real concern is that they are that they find the best of themselves Definitely. and that's something that and you're right that's something that lots of queer young people lots of young people generally mm. would absolutely kill for yeah yeah and also the reason I think a horror audience would be drawn to it is simply that moment where Robert Mitchum chases the kids up the cellar stairs with his arms <laughs> oh, okay. and looks like Frankenstein monster. Yeah, there's, I, over them. there's quite a few Frankenstein little references, like spotted yeah. in this. The, the flower picking the flower mm-hmm. and the well and the mob as well. Yeah, the, yeah, the mob. So we are jumping forward. Um, so that's the themes. Do you want to go back to the end? <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll go back to the start. Yeah, it's for your end. Okay, so um, I'm trying to think how the film starts. We get an introduction from Lilia Gish, so she's telling us a story about. This is the story about children. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like the floating heads in space. Children's heads. Reminds me of um, Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Rhapsody. Yeah. Maybe think of the Twilight Zone as well. Yeah. So she sets it up with that. With, with oh, that's it. Beware of, bit, of yeah. beware of beware of wolf and sheep's clothing. Yeah. So she does yeah. like a complete mm. the. The full biblical quote related to that, doesn't she? So she sets you up for for introducing Robert Mitchum. Yeah, because he says, doesn't she? Um, you can tell the, you can tell the actions from um, the fruits that he bears. Like a, a corrupted yeah. tree can't grow mm. fresh fruits, and, and a fresh fruit won't bear bad fruits. Yeah, 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 so I think it starts with we just see some the kids playing like hide and seek or something, aren't they? Yeah, and one and of them goes to hide in the cellar, doesn't he? And finds a, a dead body yeah. on his door. So automatically you're set up with this vibe, the whole vibe of the film is children's story time, I think. I was thinking fairy tale at first, but I think it's more rooted in reality than a fairy tale. It's just presented in, in, in mm. a very child, child-friendly child way. Um, so it's set up automatically innocence and mm. then within a minute the loss of innocence because they find a dead body doesn't it so it's yeah. like oof, straight off it's interesting you say that because Charles Lawton himself described the film as a nightmarish sort of mother goose tale <laughs> there you go yeah I got it <laughs> <laughs> smug 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 so that's basically setting up for well that sets up you know we see this first murder and then we see 
Robert Mitchum just driving through the just driving along in his cars, isn't he? Yeah. Can't there be many people that would have a car back in, in nineteen thirty two, I wouldn't have thought. That's true. That would yeah. make his stands out straight yeah. away. He's probably wrapped it up somebody's killed. Well I think that's why he's that's why he stopped. That's why he's caught, isn't he? Mm, in yeah. the first place. Oh it is, yeah. Yeah. Because he said you've um, stole that, that car. Yeah. And he's but while he's driving he's talking to God. He's talking to God or himself. It's very, very handy to have all your exposition told through speaking to God. Yeah, like, and he's all just the exposition dump. <laughs> Everything yeah. is they're just there in that first little first line, isn't yeah. it? Well, now what's it to be, Lord? Another widow? How many's it been? Six? Twelve? I just remember. You say the word, Lord. I'm on my way. You always send me money to go forth and preach your word. A widow with a little wad of bills hid away in a sugar bowl. Lord, I am tired. Sometimes I wonder if you really understand. Not that you mind the killings. Your book is full of killings. But there are things you do hate, Lord. Perfume-smelling things, lacy things, things with curly hair. I'm going to need a widow with lots of money. (laughs) (laughs) And I love the fact that he says, you don't mind the killings, your book's full of killings. Yeah. And he's talking to the the Lord. It's the other things you don't like. Lacy things. Perfume things. Perfume things and lacy things. Curly hair. And then it cuts to... um, The amazing strip. (laughs) Yeah, and he's glaring. But I love there's like a little there's a little um, moment in that part where he you you see his hands and the tattoos on his knuckles, love and hate, and he has his flick knife and he puts it in his pocket mm. and then sort of flashes to the stripper. Yeah, it's obviously and a very it... erotic moment, and he obviously has a he has a flick knife erection. Yeah, mm. flick knife erection that tears through his clothes yeah, and pokes out. And it couldn't be a more on-the-nose and obvious but really lovely sort of metaphor for yeah. what he thinks of sex. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that I think the line just before that says, um, was it, there's too many of those, I can't kill the whole world. So yeah. it's just his hatred of women, isn't yeah. it, basically? Yeah. Yeah. This is where he gets caught. There's someone in the police officer comes into the strip, yeah. Yeah. strip club, arrests him, and then we see him getting sent off to court, don't we? Yeah. And then this is how, we, this is how the two characters... He's yeah. Do we see the kids playing see, in there? Yeah, John and Pearl playing, don't we? In their front yard playing with the doll. Mm. And then their dad, Ben, arrives yeah. with loads of money and yeah. a gun. Yeah, <laughs> and bleeding. So he's just like robbed a bank. He's just robbed a bank. You don't know this yet. You find yeah. this out. Mm. Yeah. You get a little exposition bit in the court. Yeah. But he just arrives. You don't actually see where he puts the money, do you? You just see yeah. he's got money. Yeah. And he says, we're going to hide it. And then the police arrive and drag him off. Yeah. And so John and Pearl are watching on RD. And John's like, don't, don't. When he watches that, when he watches his dad getting sort of dragged to the floor, and then a mum arrives just from, just out of nowhere, yeah. just in time to see. Everyone's very underdramatic at this point, which is weird. Like it's very downplayed and not over the top, which I find really weird and surreal, yeah. to be honest. It is weird and surreal, but it's also I for me it was it struck me as like 
because we're in the grips of the depression and nobody's got any life left in them everyone's like beaten down mm. and they're used to this shit like mm. this happening and you know that the crime he's committed you can tell automatically he's got these two kids he's got this wife he's blonde and handsome you just think he's not the bad guy mm. you sort of know there's sympathy there don't you for, for yeah, what, he whatever desperate. he's done and yeah yeah that kid did not look like him yeah he did, yeah, he did. like I would have totally believed it was real really well cast yeah so then he gets because somebody died in the robbery that's right he yeah. gets sentenced you get sentenced to murder, yeah. murder, and then we get a shot, the same shot of the same prison. Judge, yeah. So he's, we know that he's going to, the, he's gone to prison, the same prison as Robert Mitchum. Yeah. And then they've got an amazing. Got that scene. great scene, don't we? Where lifted on the bunk beds. <laughs> Detto Ben is lying on the bottom bunk, isn't he? He's, yeah. And he's muttering in his sleep. Yeah. And Robert Mitchum's on the beds above, and he's trying to, he's trying to. Find the information from him, yeah, and then he just sticks his head down. So his head's he's, he's upside down with his head, yeah, hanging over. But Ben wakes up, startled by it, and then just punches him in the face, clocks him right in the face, and knocks him off the bed. Which, quite interestingly, I suppose, mirrors the end of the film, but we'll get to that in a bit. But like that actual scene, he does very similar later on, but instead of jump coming from the above, he comes oh, yeah. from oh, below yeah. and yeah. then gets hit straight away again. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's an opening and closing of his character. Oh, that's true, yeah. Interesting. So they have like a bonding thing, and well, sort of a bonding thing in the yeah, south where he's like trying to find out from him where the, this money's hidden. He finds out he's got a wife and kids, doesn't he? Yeah. And they're going to be all alone. Well, he likes, he likes widows and he likes money, so we, we know where this is going. The good Lord has sent him this this opportunity mm. yeah because he prays you just see him in the next scene with his knife praying uh, yeah he's, he's like clutching the knife between his hands as he prays isn't yeah. He? So yeah it's so weird because you've got the knife representing his erection earlier on and now you've got the knife representing this sort of link to God it's really weird mm. he lives by the sword the real thing he describes it as his sword yeah oh he says doesn't he I don't, I don't come in peace but with a sword oh, yeah. as he flicks his knife mm. yeah um, it's so it's quite there's quite a sort of for this film there's quite a subtle moment isn't there where, where then it becomes apparent that Ben goes to the gallows yeah although Steve didn't get it I completely missed it <laughs> I love that this film was too subtle for you <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know how I missed this maybe we've been to more hangings than you yeah <laughs> we know when those bells ring <laughs> Because yeah, we follow the the hangman walking it's, home from beautiful. from his from the prison, don't we? And I, I think comes into his house, right? comes into his house, and his wife's there yeah. making the supper. Yeah, and he comes in to see his kids and washes his hands. He washes his hands before he goes and touches the kids because yeah. he's just killed. He's just hung someone. Yeah. I just think there's something really beautiful about it. Mm-hmm. I found it really, really touching. And just that, there's, it, and that's a theme right throughout the film, isn't it? The preservation of innocence and yeah. how innocent and pure children are. Yeah. Why are you laughing, Steve? Because <laughs> I just don't understand how I missed all this. <laughs> I was there watching it. I was the only one who didn't take notes as well because I thought, oh, I'll pay attention to the screen and not listen. <laughs> oh, these things happen. It happens to me watching Skeleton. Okay, so you know. Um. Where are we then? It cuts back to we go back. What's the, I don't even know if you find out what the town's called, but we come back to the town mm-hmm. and um, John and Pearl are listening to some kids singing a song about hanging, yeah, aren't they? Getting bullied yeah. at school. Getting bullied they? and drawing chalk graffiti of a hangman on a wall. Yeah. Little bastards. They're all just on their own. 
Yeah. So they walk off to find um, off to find the mum, aren't they? Yeah. Quite an interesting moment that I think with the bullies because this whole film is all about the the innocent beauty of children, and that's the, I think that's like the one moment in the film where mm. you see kids being cunts. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then straight after that, though, you like the kids bully them. And then they walk up the road, and then that woman from the watch shop bullies them as well, really. Yeah. It doesn't but, feel but, like. I've, but that, to me, what that's saying is the kids have learned that from the adults. Yeah. You know I mean, the kids are yeah. just copying because no doubt that woman's gone home and she'll said, "Oh, you know, the dad, the dad's no good. He's mm. been out robbing, so you know, don't don't hang around with them." Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, from that moment, that woman from the shop saying, "Where did your dad hide all that money?" Yeah. Just from that, you know. That the whole town has been talking about them yeah. and the and their mother mm. and saying they've got to have loads they've got to have loads of money. How come she's got lovely curly hair? Mm. They've got it. They're not yeah. poor. You know that people have been talking shit behind the back. Yeah. So then we follow them home, don't we? The fans with the ice cream. Oh, they go to the ice cream. The spoons. Maybe. Yeah. What's the name? Mister and Mrs. Spoon. Icy spoons. Icy, Icy spoons. It's very on the nose. Icy is hilarious. <laughs> Brilliant. So who's that actress? Um, is she the one from what, who does she play? I think isn't she like the bossy neighbour? Is she the neighbour? I thought that is wonderful. She's very different as the neighbour than the bad seed. She plays it on stage as well. Oh, uh, she is. She yeah. plays it on stage, and oh. I think she's actually died in London. She was oh. when, when she was in the play. Evelyn Borden. Right, yeah, yeah there it is. Yeah, oh, she's very different. She's a good actress, then, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's really good. Difference in these two films. Bad seeds was not long after this either. I think so, no. like a year or two. Yeah, that's it. We go to the the spoons yeah. ice cream parlor, and we get um, the most ominous use of train stock footage I think I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. Well, isn't it? Like she, what she needs is another husband. <laughs> and then you train. <laughs> <laughs> she literally rolls in. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you can't raise those kids on your own. Another yeah. shot of an ominous train. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> you probably had loads of stock footage of trains lying around, so I think we need. Yeah. We should probably use some of this. Yeah. We want to try and grab people's attention yeah. when they're copping off in the background. Yeah. So then we go so we go home with them and we've got the kids in bed. The kids are sitting in bed, aren't they? I find that it's really effective, isn't it? Because they've yeah. got the shadows on the wall. Well, at the, the, a lot of the scenes like this, I find a real expressionist. I find. Yeah. Because it's like you've got it's to do with the angles, you know, you've got yeah. the angles that don't really make sense. You've got the yeah. walls at one angle, but then you've got the, the yeah. windows at a different angle. It's just the stuff, the stuff of nightmares, really. Yeah, pretty it? much. And then the shadow with the heart yeah. is this bit, isn't it? Yeah. Which is great. So it's that thing around telling stories, isn't there, to tell, in order to tell you how to behave. Mm. And this is the one where, this is the one mm. story that's told by a kid to another kid to tell him how to behave because he comes up with a sort of biblical story yeah. which is actually about his dad mm. and how they can't tell. It reinforces the message of not telling where the money is because they know where the money is. Yeah. And an evil man appears and coincidentally an evil man does appear. <laughs> so he enters, so the preacher enters the kids' lives and their bedrooms via the shadow, doesn't he? Lifts this shadow looming over them. Great, beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's genuinely creepy. Yeah, even I think just him stood outside as well. When he goes to the window and just he's just stood under the lamp, even now, yeah. I think it's an amazing shot. Yeah, definitely. It made me think randomly of Poltergeist 2. Mm-hmm. In Poltergeist 2, the pre- there's, it's, they're haunted by an evil preacher and he um, he comes to the house in his hat and just and just hangs around outside and sings to them. So, obviously, that, that's actually a direct rip of this. Is that 
God is in, in this temple. His holy temple. That's oh. it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I always had the two songs, the, the two films mixed up. Yeah, song wise. So obviously that's what that this yeah. is where that came Definitely. from. Definitely. Leaning. Is this the first time we get that? Is it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So. When it's just outside. Yeah. God works in a mysterious way His wonders to perform. Yes, I was with Brother Harper right up to the end. Now that I'm no longer employed by the penitentiary, it is my joy to bring this small comfort to his loved ones. It's a mighty good man would go out of his way to bring a word of cheer to a grieving widow. So he ain't with the state no more? No, brother, I resigned only yesterday. The heart-rending spectacle of them poor men was just too much for me. Ah, little lad, you're staring at my fingers. Would you like me to tell you the little story of right hand, left hand? The story of good and evil? H-A-T-E. It was with this left hand that old brother Cain struck the blow that laid his brother low. L-O-V-E. You see these fingers, dear hearts, these fingers has veins that run straight to the soul of man. The right hand, friends, the hand of love. Now watch and I'll show you the story of life. These fingers, dear hearts, is always a warring and a tugging, one against the other. Now watch them. Old brother left hand. Left hand hates a fighting, and it looks like love's a goner. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hot dog loves a winning. Yes, sirree. It's love that won, and old left hand hate is down for the count. I never heard it better told. I wish every soul in this community could get the benefit. Oh, you've just got to stay for our picnic Sunday. No, I must wend my way down river on the Lord's business. You ain't leaving in no hurry if we can help it. John, mind your manners. Take that look off your face. Act nice. Why, you don't mean no impudence, do you, boy? Do you, boy? How many's the time poor brother Ben told me about these youngins? What'd he tell you? Why, he told me what fine little lambs you and your sister both was. Is that all? Why, no, boy. He told me lots and lots of things. Nice things. Do you mean, mean that we, it goes into mean, the spoons? It goes into the icy spoons. It goes yeah. into the spoons, ice. doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, he moves in on the mum really quickly, doesn't he? Yeah. And, and the little girl. And the little girl. Th- th- this whole film just moves really quickly. It's like yeah. someone sat on the fast forward button, isn't it? For Unbelievably so, fast. Yeah. In a good way, though. I feel like yeah. it just yeah, yeah. moves as well. Well, there's. Uh, I actually watched the, the, the version I've got is the Arrow Arrow Academy version of it, and there's a really good documentary on that, and they, they do kind of talk about that. I mean, the documentary's quite long, but they do talk about that, and they say Charles Lawton and the screenwriter, is it James Aggie? James, yeah. So James Aggie was saying that the way that this film, the way the, the script and the screenplay was done for this film, is like a blueprint for how film should be. Yeah. Because it's like the films of the past, the films they watched, they're talking about DW Griffiths and things like that. So these like three, four hour epic films. So it's yeah. like we should, we need to move away from stuff like that. This is how film should be. Yeah. And then so they've purposely gone on the way to Yeah. Yeah. We've actually gone backwards. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I think that adds to what you were saying with like the childness of like the way it's told. It feels mm. like very much like a kid telling a story like 
and then this happens and then this happens and then yeah. this happens and yeah. it's just so clear and concise of these are the important bits that you need to know and the rest is like yeah doesn't matter so yeah. let's just get to it it's like halloween isn't it in a way that it doesn't waste any time mm. really everything's everything's there for a reason like the, the nanny like yeah the, nanny. the final act kind of slows down quite a bit it compared does, yeah. to everything else but then it's it's putting an emphasis on the final act because mm. that slowed down so much yeah you know I've got to pay attention now and this is like yeah all important so it's in this scene isn't it where we get the amazing um, the amazing love hate finger sermon yeah we get the yeah the, where he starts explaining the story of the, his tattoos yeah. doesn't he love and hate overcoming each other and it, it makes Icy Spoon's fudge boil over their <laughs> <laughs> fudge was boiling away wasn't <laughs> it <laughs> I've never seen fudge boil Quite so vigorously. Isn't there a line? You're not getting any of my delicious fudge, and you unless you come to the picnic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's let, let's just let's be clear. Ice experience is hot for the preacher. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, but during the film, she was frothing at the gash. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. There's fizzing at the slit as well. I quite like that. Oh. Icy spoons fizzy nipples. But she's like this. <laughs> Although it's, that does kind of go against what she says at the picnic, but I think that's the point. That's, she's, yeah, she's, yeah. she's this pious, like religious woman who's very like, oh no, we don't have sex. Like, um, what is it like? A, I, a, I a lied just for a man's yeah. thing, not for a woman to be concerned about. The good Lord never meant for a woman to want that. Not yeah. really, not really. One, I just lied. I'm thinking about me cannon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what she says. How foul! But that's but that's her. I suppose that she's lying to herself then, isn't she? She's talking yeah. about... She lies to herself right throughout this film, yeah. isn't she? From when she's being holy. She's being a hoe. Being holy to being, to being a, a vigilante. Yeah. Icy she lies to herself every step of the way. Icy Spoons is a small town about her on two legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that gossip she? woman who knows everyone's business and has an opinion on everyone's business. I do love the shot though when um, when she actually talks about that and it cuts to Walt Spoon, her husband's, and he's eating a piece of chicken. And he's <laughs> yeah. just utterly disgusted and throws his chicken down. Really disappointed, like I put my best effort in <laughs> to please you. You're thinking about your cannon. <laughs> <laughs> There's another great line in this section where Willa says, My whole body is just a quiver with cleanness. Quivering with cleanness, Clean, yeah. Quivering with cleanness. Oh, is that when um, he says that the husband holding me? the money to being thrown to the bottom of the lake and yeah. there was no money yeah so she feels like the bed and has gone from her doesn't she yeah. well, feels that, like... is this the scene where Mrs Spoon takes her down to the river and, and has a chat with her saying she's trying to cop her off with her saying look your husband's been dead like a week you yeah. know and this preacher's just turned up asking questions you should definitely marry him it's time to move on it's been <laughs> yeah. a whole week and also I feel like in that small town someone like Spoons would be like um, would be like if you are if you are married then you are respectable again Basically, mm, so yeah. jump on this one, yeah, and then people will stop gossiping about you. Pretty much, yeah. That's it. Yeah, I just love the way that uh, she's just so mean to everyone. It's like the kids is saying, "Come and get some fudge," and the kids like, "I don't want some fudge," and he's like, "Of course you want fudge. <laughs> Fucking get here. Don't yeah. fudge. <laughs> don't say stupid things. Like you I don't want fudge. fudge. You little fucker. Yeah, she's she's a great character. She's horrible. But she's a great character. Can we discuss the character of Willa? Am I missing something here, or is she just really weak and stupid? I think she's really weak and stupid. See, I... There's the scene of the wedding night, I think, is really powerful, because it's like you... 
it's a weird way to describe it, but it shows a woman actually having a sexual appetite, but then it's just drummed out of her. Yeah. Because when she's talking about the scenes when she's sitting in the sitting in the, the fudge the fudge shop sitting in the fudge shop <laughs> sounds like a euphemism yeah. when she's sitting in the ice cream parlour and when she's sitting on the bench and it's cut almost like she's like yearning for a physical relationship again yeah and then all of a sudden she thinks he's getting it literally and she walk you know she walks yeah. in on a wet night she's dressed up mm. he Robert Mitchum reaches his hands out and she thinks oh you know and he's just telling her to close the window because yeah. you know there's a draft yeah and then she just falls down and this just audible like ache and it's like that's all she wants she just wants physical love yeah so he's like shut the window and shut your legs yeah pretty much fix that window shade harry i was praying i'm sorry i didn't know why I thought... You thought, Willa, that the moment you walked in that door, I'd start to paw on you in that abominable way that men are supposed to do on their wedding night. Ain't that right now? No, no, no. I think it's time we made one thing perfectly clear, Willa. Marriage, to me, represents a blending of two spirits in the sight of heaven. Get up, Willa. Hi, what Get up. Now go look at yourself yonder in that mirror. Do as I say. Look at yourself. What do you see, girl? You see the body of a woman, the temple of creation and motherhood. You see the flesh of Eve that man since Adam has profaned. That body was meant for begetting children. It was not meant for the lust of men. Do you want more children, Willa? I... No. It's the business of this marriage to mind those two you have now, not to beget more. Yes. All right, you can get in bed now. Stop shivering. Help me to get clean so I can be what Harry wants me to be. I think it's essentially like she was broken yeah. from losing her last husband but, and she just wanted to look for anything to fill her and <laughs> not <laughs> I was being metaphorical yeah 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 um, no but I feel like, like you she, <laughs> <laughs> well, she thought she was going to get some as well but yeah right she was being she was looking for someone to kind of fill that gap in her life not that gap and <laughs> and there's some fudge boiling <laughs> you're not ruining my really good sentiment gap. <laughs> and um, this man came along and kind of shown as like a, he's a religious like a very pure man is what the way he kind of puts himself across and the woman the local woman who's respected is telling him that you know you need to be with him 
and she's found something and then he puts religion on her and uses religion to kind of control her yeah. it's the point where she starts controlling her own self with religion and her own mm. delusion she's brainwashed isn't she yeah but what I mean is cult. to get a, like a depiction of that in the 50s of like a woman who was like sexually you know frustrated I, yeah mm. I, I can't I can't think of I mean, there probably are. I'm sure there'll be people who know more than me, but I think that's a really early depiction of something yeah. like that. Yeah. And especially yeah. in a film that's about so, so much religion as well. I think the only other that I maybe can think of is Marilyn Monroe in Niagara, mm. just, a couple of, just a couple of years before. Mm. But the thing with both of those films is one of them, in fact, no, do they both die? Mm. They both die in both films. Yeah, but one of them's one of them. One of them is definitely morally corrupt. Yeah, in their film. Can we just can we just address the moment where before she goes to join him in bed, she finds a flip knife in his pocket and goes, <laughs> "Men." Oh <laughs> shucks! <laughs> and then he has a great line when he says to her, "That body was meant for begetting children, not for the lust of men." Mm. And is the next scene after that about the bit where she's preaching? Yeah, we kind of see the escalation then, don't we, to her saying, you know, that's I, she, I she prays, like, doesn't she? She she yeah. prays, she prays to God right after that, saying yeah. like, "Help me to be clean and yeah. stuff." And she essentially is brainwashed into thinking she drove her husband to death because she drove her husband to become a killer because she wanted a, a, a sexual relationship. She wanted sex. She wanted paint yeah. for the face. Yeah, and perfume. Yes. And that's why all of that things happened in her life, and it was all her fault. Yeah. And the fault of women. Yeah. She, he's completely changed her entire outlook in life. Yeah. And controlled her. That's what I mean. She just comes across as sort of weak throughout it, really, um, to me. Um, and I can see, in that environment and in that world, I can sort of see why she's that way. Completely malleable. But for me, that, that kind of limits what sympathy I would it's have for her. What she was like beforehand, but you never get to see that. Yeah, yeah. But that's because once again, it's not wasting any shots. No. But if you'd established that she was strong beforehand and then she'd broken and then yeah, she went like that. That would be a more sympathetic character than just she's just weak throughout. Yeah. But that shot anyway, where she's preaching with the fire in like <laughs> four different places, it is really scary and just fucking great. Yeah, it's fabulous. So one person who isn't weak at all. Is John, no, hmm. who in an incredible scene <laughs> throws a hairbrush at Robert Mitchum's head. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> just unbelievable. If that's not a reason for us to cover this film in a queer podcast, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, I agree. I quite agree. I quite agree. See what, what's um, the little girl, Pearl. 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 I love Pearl. I think she's one of my favourite little actresses and little characters I've ever seen in everything every line she delivered was just adorable and so funny and I just couldn't keep oh I love her do you know how she got the role in the film no um, don't tell us okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a big giant pedophile <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, nothing like that no, she, uh, she won a singing contest oh. oh so was that actually her singing that wasn't, uh-huh. <laughs> but that you do in the making of the you to show your hair voice. She sang it originally, hmm. and then they, they got an older singer to do it. I was going to say it sounded far too mature for a little girl. Her voice is actually better than what they used. I think uh-huh. she should have left it. Would anyone else love to see a spin-off star and Pearl from Night of the Hunter and Susie from The Nanny? Yeah, 
<laughs> All of it and Shirley style spin-off. Only it's about three year olds. <laughs> and the trouble they cause on the playground yeah. and they I was run thinking away this is two films in very quick succession where you've made me like a kid actor and I hate kids. <laughs> there's, there's a few good kids. There's a few good kids in this, I think. Yeah. And I think because all lines in older films tend to be delivered a bit more deadpan and like there's not as much nuances of the way that you do lines now. The kids acting like that doesn't feel as jarring. I think that in this film and in the nanny, you've got two very small children who are performing. I would yeah. say acting, but definitely perf- if, yeah. if, if, even if they're not acting, they're definitely performing. Whereas most children that I see in films particularly British stage school children despite all of that stage school education very rarely act they deliver lines they don't perform they don't actually offer any performance or any acting they just deliver lines yeah I love the shot with the um, she's found she's took the money out of the door hasn't she she's sitting outside playing with the money yeah and she's cut she's cut some of the money up hasn't she to make into little like paper dolls and she's playing with them and then you get the great scene when um I think Robert Mitchum stood in the, he comes he's coming down the stairs, isn't he? Yeah. So he hides all the money. Then as they're walking back into the house, the two little paper dolls just blow past, blow past just yeah. blow past it's them. Is this where he threatens to rip her arm off? Yeah, because <laughs> this is when Willa Willa Hayes doesn't see through the yeah. door. Because it sounds like um Harry and John have had a bit of a battle back and forwards, haven't they? Because yeah. Willa says, Oh, you keep lying about you keep lying about him saying he's asking for the money. Mm. And this is when Will comes home and hears him asking Pearl, where's the money? Did she know that John was telling the truth? And he says, um, if you don't tell me I'll rip your arm off, you little wretch. Yeah, he calls okay. that a couple of times, I think, mm, yeah. doesn't he? A wretch. Yeah, yeah. I think, and yeah. going out, I think, just my favourite shot in the whole film. Is in that Will in bed? Yeah. Yeah. Just amazing. Does Will at? It's up there, but I think that's actually better than this. Yeah. In any other film, I'd probably agree, but... I yeah. think it's one of the best, but, yeah, my one of my favourites is still to come. She looks... Because she lies there in the bed like a corpse. She, held, mm. she holds her arms over her chest, and it's almost like she gives up. Like It's almost like she knows he's going to kill her. Yeah. Yeah, I think she is just completely accepted, because she talks about how God brought him there for a reason, and that even though he came for the money, it was all God's plan anyway. She's, like, so far down the delusion now that oh. she's just... Accepting whatever fate as divine intervention, not intervention but divine, divine, divine. Yeah, when well, you're Catholic, yeah, go on. <laughs> divine intervention, yeah, yeah. right. What God wanted, yeah, mm. like div- yeah. like a God's plan kind yeah. of yeah. thing. Yeah, I think she's just thinking like that. The um, shot reminds me of Sweeney Todd mm. as well. well. I'm, I'm guessing Sweeney Todd might have actually lifted that scene because it's. Him looking out of a long slanted window holding a pen knife, whereas you just swapped the pen knife out for a flick knife. Yeah. Like, uh, right, yeah. And it's yeah. exactly the same shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's well, a lot of Tim Burton, he just stole expressionist cinema anyway. That's didn't he? true, yeah. All yeah. the German, German stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just love the way the, the stage is constructed so that the room kind of just exists in this blackness. So the mm. shot is just surrounded by black as if the rest of the house or the outside yes. doesn't exist. It's just literally just this shot is just existing in it's nothing. Again, it's that nightmare quality, isn't it? Yeah. It's done a few times, isn't it? Uh, with the salad as well. The salad to do as well, that's amazing. That just, it's like boxy. Like there's just three little bits of light. Yeah. And then just blackness around it. And it's kind of 
makes everything feel I think some of the, yeah, small. some of the shots in Hereditary actually yeah. remind me a bit of this. You know, some of the shots where you see the miniature and then mm-hmm. zooms in and suddenly it becomes the real house. Yeah. There's some some of the sort of wide shots of, of them in the house in various rooms with the darkness all around them. But uh, yeah, I bet that owes a lot to this. So then he kills her. Yeah, it's a, well, you don't, you don't see a die, but um, you know what happened. You know what's coming. He's, he's poised over with the knife, isn't he? Yeah. And cuts away. And then we get some fumbling about. Yeah, John hears some fumbling, doesn't he? And then he hears a car. Yeah. Goes to the window, but then he can't. It doesn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Just goes back to bed. Yeah, because, and we can hear the car because obviously. He's, he's got the double body. Yeah, but he drives the car into the he lake. Drive, yeah, he just drives the car into the lake. Oh, yeah, because there's the character that we haven't mentioned yet, which is Uncle Bear. Uncle, Uncle Bear. The alcoholic man who's lost his wife. Yeah. And he has a little poetry cover on the side. Yeah. Did he talk to? He talks, which is cute, and he puts it down when he because he's, when he's she's like judging him from beyond the grave as he pours whiskey into his tea. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty five years she's been gone, and she's still it's still like she's watching me or something yeah. along those lines. Isn't I it? think that's that cute. Yeah, there's lots of quite tragic characters in this, isn't there? Really, when you think about it. Um, so he's out fishing on the lake, isn't he? And yeah. then underneath this boat, so we get a really long shot of her body, yeah. Willa's body, tied up in the car. It's, first of all, it's just the weeds, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you see yeah, the weeds blown over. And then you pan across to it. Yeah. And we stay on it for a while, and there's like a long shot, and it's like dreamy underwater music, isn't it? And it's got this, again, it's that sort of fairy tale ish type mm. quality to it. This is the best shot. You think, is that yeah. your favourite shot, yeah? For me, I just think yeah. that was stunning. The yeah. way the weeds kind of mimicked the way your hair was flowing yeah. Yeah. underwater, yeah. it was just gorgeous yeah it is amazing he probably spent a lot of money to get in that shot so he thought we'll make the most of it yeah. I don't even understand how they done that but it looked fucking great so apparently Robert Mitchum wasn't very impressed with the casting of Shelley Winters in this role no. she was meant to be playing a sort of worn down West Virginia girl whose mm. life is completely wasted so he said she looks and sounds as much like a wasted West Virginia girl as I do. <laughs> the only bit she'll do convincingly is to float in the water with her throat cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a bear. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It was a best shot though. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw, yeah, I sort of agree with them. Yeah. yeah. I sort of agree with them. I think part of the problem I've got with the character and feeling like she's weak is, is possibly to do with the performance. Yeah. I feel like maybe her heart wasn't altogether there with that performance. I could see other actresses probably doing that in a more sympathetic way. Shelley Winter's actual personal character is big and blousy mm-hmm. and rough. Willa Harper is has never even managed to reach those heights, mm-hmm. and I think it's just too much of a it was too much of a stretch for Shelley Winters to be able to yeah. quite do that. I think I agree on that one. Mm-hmm. I do love one. Another one of my favourite chapters where Harry goes into to see the spoons, doesn't he? And yeah. he's sitting at the desk. He's sitting at the counter. And it's all about oh she's run off. Yeah. Left a little note. Says oh maybe she'll be back one day. And I think his line is she'll not be back. I can promise you that. Yeah. But we just he just he's got his head down. And he just looks up and he just gives a slight little look like yeah. to the camera almost. That's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I just think I just think his performance in every scene. I think Robert Mitchum's just amazing. So yeah. So from from there it kind of he steps up trying to get that money doesn't he so the, he's, um, the kids are down in the cellar, the cellar hiding, from him. hiding from him and this is where he becomes the real sort of nightmarish bogeyman isn't it he's like children <laughs> I can hear you whispering and you know they're mm. hiding from him it's really fucking creepy and meanwhile Uncle Bertie's drunk on the boat because he's found of their body isn't he's he so he's seen, seen but he won't phone the, the police 
No, because he's crazy. All you hear him say, he's completely drunk. He's saying, they'll think it was me. They'll think it was me. Maybe he killed his wife. Yeah, maybe that's why. Was it him who says she slit her throat like she had an extra mouth? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's so so visceral. You get that image of her body in that, and then he goes up and describes it in more detail. It makes, like retrospectively makes the image that you just seen worse. sound even worse. Mm. Yeah. That's totally. really cool. Yeah. Totally. And I suppose he, he thinks he's going to be blamed for it because he's the lonely man in a small town who's got no wife and that yeah. and a woman's dead yeah. and he's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. He would be yeah. the kind of person who would just get blamed especially yeah. if he found the body. He lives in a boat and plays a banjo. He probably doesn't look good. Doesn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> in any other film it wouldn't be him. <laughs> <laughs> Find still boys in for coffee. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> probably not yeah probably not going to do well <laughs> all you ukulele playing hipsters living on houseboats beware beware there's loads of listeners who've just lost <laughs> <laughs> so he steps up his chase of the kids doesn't he he's stalking up the kids and um, we've got the, uh, the great uh, this is Mrs Spoon yeah. where she uh, saves the kids yeah so, yeah, she just pops around, doesn't she? Yeah. Doesn't she want to uh, give them a bath? They say, do you, want to take, do you want me to take them upstairs and give them a bath? Yeah. But then it's uh, as she's leaving. Yeah. <laughs> what does she shout? It's not what she shouts, no, it's just, just, oh, it's just a look. She it's just a look. Yeah. <laughs> 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 More frothing oh, from Mrs. Spoons. God. Frothy spoons, and then um, frothy spoons. So, so, then you've got him. So he gets the kids down in the cellar, doesn't he? And he's like, he's he's threatening them physically and saying, uh, "I'll cut your throat. I like cut your mother's throat, basically, if you don't tell me where that money is." And so John lies, doesn't he, and says it's been it's buried beneath the stones yeah. or whatever. But yeah. the cellars, it's all concrete, isn't it? Yeah. Floor. Because he made a little girl cry again, very calling her a wretch, and she cried like a little one little tear. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Oh yeah, because he does the interrogation first, doesn't he? A little food. Yeah. And he's like, "We've got fried chicken, we've got cornbread," and yeah. he's like, "But well, you're not getting any of it." Until you tell me, because that's what he says. Do you want to see something cute? Yeah. And he pulls out his knife. Right, so yeah. It's so troubling. Do he say John's a troublemaker? Or he says a meddler. He? A meddler, and it, I use this on meddlers. Yeah. So she, he's threatening him there. To, yeah. To say yeah. this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And she's just great. That little girl is just so good in this bit. And she's yeah. like, I'm not going to tell you because John told me not to. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. oh. He's like, yeah. He says, are you going to tell me? And she goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he gets them down in the cellar, and then yeah. Is that other amazing shot you were talking about? Yeah. It's just the way it's just like the cellar, just this little scene exists in the blackness. Yeah, totally. Right. Um, even so, he's trying to get the truth out of them, and then she says, Doesn't she? Uh, she caves in and says, Yeah, it's he, in the doll. He told he, he sinned, he told a lie, it's in the doll. And then, um, so then obviously, John knocks one of the shelves down to clock Robert Mitchell on the head. And this is my favourite shot is where the kids run up the stairs to get away from him and he towers over them with his hand. Yeah, well. Frankenstein. Frankenstein to get them. It's really fucking scary. Yeah, it's great. Um, but they get out, don't they? They get away. They get on a boat and he's chasing them He's chasing them to the boat. That's it. They lock him in the cell. They lock yeah. him in the... It, the door hits his hands and, right, lock, yeah. and then they lock him yeah. into the cellar. Yeah. But he freaks out. Does that... Sh- does that... Does that moment as they're getting to... They're going to the boat... And they're stuck in the the, 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 mud, like the mire the in the mud, mud yeah, at the, yeah. the edge of the river. 
But he's coming down the bank really, really quickly, coming through all the, the bushes. It's yeah. like, it's just it's horrible. It is horrible. It's suspense, isn't it? Yeah, and there's so many horror movies that, 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 that have done similar things, you know, where where the person you care about is running away and the killer is literally inches from yeah. them, chasing them, and that always freaks me the mm. fuck out. Yeah. It's like t- uh, Chainsaw Massacre, where he's right behind her with the chainsaw, like literally right behind her. Yeah. Do we think there could have been a, a, an actual influence then? Because if Charles Lawton was married to Elsa Lanchester, he might have had Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. very possible. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I will think about think about uh, all, a lot of the shots in Brides of Frankenstein, Doctor Pretorius's um, laboratory. Yeah, um, there's a few things where there's the, an expressionist feel to yeah. odd angles and stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. It's got to borrow from that. Like, yeah. No, but I mean, literally, like, like deliberately, he's married to someone who was in it. He yeah. might have. Says, uh, had a contact with James Whale and said, come, come down here for a day. Yeah, yeah, give me some tips. So one of the most affecting parts of it is the kids going through the woods. They're sinking in the woods and it's slowing them down and mm. it's going round their ankles. But they get on the they they get on the boat. Yeah. But you get a real sense of just how small and fragile they are because when Robert Mitchum ends up in the mud, he doesn't go ankle deep. He goes knee deep, <laughs> and it's just like, thank God. They are yeah. really sort of tiny, tiny, tiny yeah, children. Yeah. He's this big, mm. lumbering giant, so big he sinks into the to his knees and, and his steps. His steps to get to that boat are much quicker like than his. Yeah, 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 as well. Like he flailed his mouth, whereas they were just kind of like spicy the in. Yeah, uh, to get away on the boat. So this is my favorite section of the of the film. I it's love, amazing. I love them drifting down that river for like days and days. This is like yeah. very dreamlike. This entire segment, it's completely dreamlike. And she starts to sing a little lullaby about a pretty fly. Pretty flies, and then we see a spider web. A spider and web. She, they're like coming out of the spider web, very much yeah. like escaping. The yeah. Of dark. Like, I, get, I get this imagery. Yeah. There's nature all around them. There's a turtle. <laughs> they make, he's like they're very suspicious. Those. Yes. Looking turtle. Yeah. And John says they make soup from those, but I don't know how to. Open them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a ten opener. Just yeah. Get the soup out of its And when you and Martin, you said in the when she was singing the lullaby, it sounds like like Bjork. It yeah. did sound like a Bjork song. It's weird. Once upon a time, there was a pretty fly. He had a pretty wife. This pretty fly. But one day she flew away, flew away. She had two pretty children, but one night these two pretty children flew away, flew away. And then we have this like lovely sort of really sad commentary on on child poverty and the depression, don't we? Because we get lots of we get like all the little kids going to that woman, get a potato, get a potato. I've only got one potato left, and she's the, the kids have to munch on a raw potato. I was just say this raw, isn't it? That's yeah. disgusting. No, she's baked it. There's butter in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for that because that sounds horrifying. Tuna mayonnaise in the middle. Yeah. yeah, cheese and beans in the middle. Cheese and beans. Yeah. yeah I thought he looked like. 
old potatoes, yeah. rotten potatoes yeah. with like probably bit, with yeah. like green yeah. eyes. Ones that they wouldn't, she couldn't sell at the market, yeah. so she's just giving it to the poor kids and. She's not even very nice about it. No, she's horrible. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's yeah, like, she's really... go on, get him, go. go away. <laughs> so there's loads of shots here that are beautiful, and the music is, it takes over here for me. The mm. music's so lovely, because first you've got the kids' lullaby as they're drifting down, and then as it goes further, they're looking for sanctuary, and they're trying mm. to they, they sort of go to the farmhouse to go into the yeah. hayloft. That's amazing. There's a, there's a beautiful the barn. gospel song that plays over it as well, isn't it, about little children? Mm. There's yeah. the woman the gospel singer. Yeah, it's beautiful. Like the backgrounds here, all start to look like just paintings on the wall, and like even when they're going up to that house, yeah, it's it doesn't look remotely like well, a that, real house. It's the just, barn and the house, they just cut. They just yeah, yeah. there's wooden cutouts. But like the thing is that it doesn't look like this is cheap. No, they couldn't afford a house. This looks like a proper stylistic choice. Like yeah. that's why it, I, you could tell me it was released now, and I still believe yeah. it because it looks. Like it's, it's like American Gothic. Yeah, it's American Gothic, and it it's, it sort of creates a real. It, there was there was a bit of it when I wrote down that it felt mystical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it feels really, really otherworldly, and it's, think, like, it's like a proper work of art. It's beautiful, and it's um, it reminds me. Have you ever seen like Chinese shadow puppets? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. The, the bit where he starts coming across as they're hiding the thing oh, the, and the yeah. horse oh, he's on the horse across. it's just a silhouette it looks it's amazing. like it's just shadow puppets just mm. moving across the scene so his silhouette emerges to leaning again doesn't it so he always he, he always sings as he yeah. approaches them it's like it's, it's like he uses his religion as a kind of weapon like, mm. a, like you know what I mean like yeah. he's announcing his it's an intimidation yeah intimi- intimidation yeah and John sees and says does he never sleep does mm. he never sleep yeah, he's relentless. He will never stop. Mm-hmm. He'll never stop. But luckily, they get rescued, don't they? They do. Mrs. Hooper, who then proceeds to just whip him with a switch. <laughs> That's the first thing she does, isn't it? She does. Yeah. She <laughs> does. just whips him. But you know what? I love Mrs. Cooper. She she takes kids in. She gives them tough love and discipline. Yeah. She gives them exactly what they need in these trying times. I do know a little uh, a little nugget of information about you know. The bit where they're drifting down the river uh, and they see a rabbit. They see two rabbits yeah. on the side, do they? There's only actually one rabbit. Uh-huh. They, they, um, they, just got, they just got the footage and uh, used it again. Yeah, it's, just, it's just an optical effect. This whole film is a lie. <laughs> there's, there's only one rabbit. <laughs> hey, that was quite very yeah. fancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, although they did say as well, uh, I can't remember it was, the direct... Um, Production designer said he's had people asking him about that the river chase scene and stuff, and said, "Where did you film it?" And none of that was done on location. Yeah, it, was you can all, tell. it was all just sets. Yeah, it's amazing. It, but it's, it works so well because like the sky doesn't look. Yeah, because that shot with right. the um, the stars that that's like a composite shot. They had to, yeah. they got electric lights to make them twinkle and then just overlaid that. I it's think like that in, makes it look so much cooler. Yeah, mm. it's just lovely. It's really lovely. So she gets so yeah. I love Mrs. Cooper so much. She, for me, she was the first normal person I'd seen in the film. Yeah. She was the first one you could identify with. And I breathed a little sigh of relief that mm. these kids had her in their lives at this point. So this is what I've when we were talking before about the themes of the film, sort of forging a family out of nothing. And mm. I, I love that about her. I think she's brilliant. And she's, she has a beautiful line where she says, I'm a strong tree with branches for many birds. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's one thing I'm good at in this life, and I know it. Yeah, yeah. And she's there to look after the kids. It's so nice. She's great. I think this is where it actually slows down for a second and it takes does, yeah. a breath. It does. Like, yeah, you're right. To kind of show you, that this is. 
an important woman and this is what she's doing and it's great and it's nice and it's the first time for me as well I mean maybe at the, a little bit at the beginning but for the most of the film you don't I, you forget I think that John is a kid mm-hmm. and this is the first time that he's acts like a kid because he's around someone who's a proper parent mm. and he says there's a little moment in it where he says tell me that story again and it's just like the kids he's just a child it's what a kid wants yeah and I just, like it's just lovely that she does the thing as well because obviously they arrived by the boat on the read and she starts telling the, the story of Moses I remember it yeah <laughs> um, but as she's saying it she talks about how it's just a boat that arrives and can you guess who was on that boat and they go oh it was John and um, yeah. Pearl John and Pearl and I like that because it kind of it's almost like it's a joke back to the first story that got told where he was quite blatantly talking about them and then metaphorical sense and then it felt like she was going to be doing the same yeah. but then they were just kind of laughing no we're not actually doing that again we're making things mm-hmm. it's kind of you are doing it but not doing it at the same time it's very clever yeah so the other kids that she's got they're all girls aren't they yeah Ruby yeah. is the oldest yeah Ruby is the Stephen Moore of the piece because of a few <laughs> lines that she says ain't I pretty he's <laughs> the most beautiful eyes you've ever seen in the world <laughs> did you ever see such pretty eyes in all your born days does she ask him to buy her an ice cream or does yeah. he offer to buy an ice cream is that her usual she asks she asks yeah because the boys so Ruby meets boys doesn't she Ruby's, yeah. Ruby's plunging into her sexuality she is she kind of disappears off from the group yeah. and is standing just away from the boys, but close enough that she can give them eye contact. Yes, yes. One of those extras is the brother of um, John. Ah, uh, picture Harry turns up and. Yeah, it's when she's looking at the magazines. What's the what's the magazine? Modern movie. Modern magazine. 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 He turns up and he basically pre- preys on Ruby's um, vulnerability, doesn't need to find out about John and Pearl. A weakness for magazines and ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> and tall, dark, handsome strangers. <laughs> She's me. <laughs> Movie magazines, ice cream, and cock. Excuse me. She is me. She's all of us. There's a little, there's a little bit of Ruby in all of us. Yeah. This is the queer allegory. Forget <laughs> <laughs> everything else we said. This is why queer is getting. Here she is, yes. Cock and ice cream. Cock and ice cream. <laughs> And tear away boys and pervy priests. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, That's um, a new autobiography for you. Should we have just said, so I just said to start, if you fancy Robert Mitchum, maybe watch this. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't personally fancy Robert Mitchum, but I imagine many people probably did. Handsome, I suppose. Mm, well, yeah. I quite like the dad. So, um, sorry, go on. What were we, <laughs> where were we up to? So, it's, he goes round to the house, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, that's right. He uh, tempts Ruby with ice cream mm. and a magazine. Obviously, um, but no. Do we get do we get the scene first? Don't do where Ruby t- confesses to Miss Ho- Miss Cooper. She says she says, "Oh, I've been bad," and she's thinking, "Oh, what's going on? Is she is she pregnant? Am I? Is this yeah. another? Yeah. Is this another mouth to look after? Yeah. Another mouth to feed? Because we get that little scene, don't we? Where the nurse, there's like a nurse on the street, runs over to hug one of the kids. Yeah. And it's clearly her kid. She's got. She's got pregnant and not mm. been married, yeah. and just so even though she's still around and she could look after the kids, because she's not married, she's oh, oh well, yeah. you're looking after my kids instead. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll come round to the visit, and then I wasn't quite sure if it was that it, like she was going to adopt it, but I was thinking it was that way. That's what that's my take. Yeah, I on think it. she was I, the mum. Yeah, I was a bit confused, but then I came down and thinking yeah. the same as you. Because often in those days when 
when there was the whole stigma of illegitimate children, often people wouldn't give you a home if you're a single mother, mm. and they wouldn't give you work if you're a single mother. Yeah. So it was easier get rid of the child. It's easier to get rid of the child, and they'd they'd be as hypocr- hypocritical as to give you work and a home if you'd given your child up to be cared for by somebody else, and, yeah. and it was known. But you, you didn't have that child That's with you. Very really odd. Yeah, so that's that was, yeah. a, that was a really good scene. I like that. Yeah, and it's just and she just confesses that you know that someone was going around asking about John and Pearl. Yeah, she hasn't been sewing. She's been seeing boy. <laughs> she's been mm. seeing. <laughs> yeah, but again, you know, Mrs. Cooper just says, doesn't judge her for it, does she? She she's really lovely, but she knows that there's trouble coming to the door. Yeah, definitely. On a uh, horse. On a, on a, on he, a literally horse come, he literally comes. He literally comes around the corner on a horse, yeah. doesn't he? He does. And the minute he turns up, from the get-go, Mrs. Cooper, Miss Cooper doesn't give him an inch. Mm. She knows. And I love that. This, that's so refreshing about this film, is that she doesn't get duped in the slightest. You just know from the get-go that she's going to protect these kids at yeah. all costs. She knows straight away. She doesn't yeah. fall for any of it. She mm. doesn't. And it's, a, it's here that you realise, because you don't really think about, it, about Harry's intellect that much, I don't think. Okay. He comes across in the first hour and 20 minutes as being quite canny and clever. Yeah. He's actually not. He no. just preys on really fucking thick people. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And she's got a brain and knows she's got the measure of him straight away. Yeah. And I love that. Interrupts his Connors' little routine yeah. of the love hate. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He's actually just a stupid thug, isn't he? Who will bully people yeah. until he gets what he wants. He's got a bit of patter. Yeah. And Ruby drops the eggs again. Drops the eggs again. She, she, she does say, I think there's a line earlier on, isn't it, with Miss um, Cooper says, oh, you know, she, she always breaks the eggs, but she is good with the kids, so I can't get rid of her. Yeah. She's got like her mother's hands or something mm. like that. And I think she's the one who picks the bad potatoes at the beginning. She does. <laughs> she gets the They're not the big enough to go to Mark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, bless her. Oh, well, she's got his looks. <laughs> it's possibly one of the few films, maybe the only film I've ever seen, where the good and the bad have a fight via a, a duet. They sing a duet. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? His his weapon is that song, and mm. she just fires back with it. Yeah, she harmonises. Like... Yeah, and she's like the. It's almost like the sort of. Uh, it's almost like the the pureness and the beauty of her character. Drowns out the darkness of his, yeah. isn't it? In a way. I suppose it's like. He's using once again his religion as the weapon, and she's just fighting back in the same way because it's a religious song, and she's gonna be like, "You're using it for bad, and I'm gonna use it for good, yeah. and this mm. is why we're gonna win." Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. What a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness What a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning on Jesus Leaning on Jesus 
secure from all alarms. Lean on Jesus, lean on Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. And then, yeah, it kind of goes on the entire theme throughout it. Yeah, and out of the two of them, she's the only one who ever mentions Jesus. Mm. He never mentions Jesus. No. Yeah, he doesn't take that part, does no. he? And he never, none of his stories involve. He never mentions Jesus. Yeah, once. Cain and Abel, he talks yeah. about, doesn't he? But he always talks about religion. He's not. He's into the blood and guts. Yeah. It do, he does um, mention Jehovah, doesn't he? That's yeah. the only thing. He's into the justification. But, but Jehovah is like. It. Jehovah's the vengeful yeah. version of God, isn't he? That's like the joke. That's the God of the Old Testament, who yeah. you know, is very, very temperamental. Yeah. <laughs> Not the New Testament God, <laughs> who's all forgiving and, and merciful. Yeah. Even at the beginning of the prison, so the dad he turns around. The dad asks, "What kind of religion do you buy? Are oh, you yeah. into?" And he dad. says, hey, "I've made up one between me and yeah. God Himself." So it's like he's even admitting there, "I'm not actually." religious in the way that you think it is yeah i'm religious because it suits me mm-hmm. makes me a good person yeah in my eyes there's that fabulous scene then isn't there where so she's on the porch and he's just in he's in the background of the shot yeah he stood outside his name is dark yeah and then the kid comes in with the candle lit ruby yeah ruby comes in obviously and blares him out She's still like in love with him by the way yeah. <laughs> she's not yeah. anything <laughs> he just tried to kill one of them earlier but you know and then when she when the candidate disappears, he's gone. Yeah, it's just really creepy. Great. And then Miss Cooper says that great line: "It's a hard world for little things." Mm. Yeah, because you get that shot with the owl and the rabbit, don't we? <laughs> That's, yeah, so it's really into that shot, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If you needed any more metaphors, I know. Of... <laughs> I know. I love that owl. Yeah. It does look like it's tied to that branch, which is a bit mean. But... Probably was. <laughs> well, it's on a string when <laughs> it flies off. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't get, yeah, trained, couldn't get the trained owls back then. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, so she's just stoic all, all the way through. Unflinching strength, and um, it reveals him. So when he attacks them, he comes into the house, and we have that moment where he sort of pops up after... Pops after. Up front, which is really comical in a weird way. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't it, isn't it something to do with the cat, though? Because you know the cat... The cat screams, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, so maybe like stepped on the cat, or the cat mm. scratches him or something. Mm. Yeah. And that's when it's, I think that's what you were talking about before, because his yeah. head pops up from the bottom of the shot... Instead of from, from the top, the top down. Fed, 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 fed so does she fire a gun at him? Yeah, she yeah. shoots him with a shotgun. And then he runs off screaming and flailing, and he's just it's just he's revealed to be just a, a weak, wild Pathetic, animal. Mm. Insane man. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the arrest is quite um it's quite straightforward, isn't it? She just calls the police and says, Come Yeah, here. I've got him trapped in the barn. It murders the way his dad's Mm. arrested as it, well at the start yeah, isn't it? it is and he's shot in his shoulder just like that happens yeah. so the moment. police come to get him don't they from the barn and this is the moment where they come to get him from the barn but not only to get him from the barn this is where they arrest him for the murder yeah. of Willa this is the point yeah, where it's confirmed that Willa is dead really yeah. well for the kids it's confirmed yeah. that Willa's dead and as he's wrestled to the ground John little John clearly has a flashback to what mm. happened to his dad and he reacts in the same way yeah. as well as dad so he sort of deals with it there and that, mm. doesn't he? And the money just flies out everywhere. Yeah, he starts, he yeah. starts hitting him with the doll. Yeah. And says, you can have the money, you can have the money. And you can, you, it's just, it's heartbreaking because you think, it's heartbreaking because it's too late. But he just wants to give him the money to save his mum. But his mum, but his mum, but his, yeah. The rest of the film is almost like a little weird epilogue, isn't it? We don't, it's crazy, yeah. You don't, well, I think we've got, 
we got the weird mob scene, don't we? Yeah. Where the Miss Cooper's sitting with all the kids in the like a, a restaurant eating something. Yeah. yeah. And then Mrs. Spoon walking past with the mob yeah. sees them and like, um, do they like smash up the cop? Yeah. The, 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 the trial's obviously been the big event of the year in yeah. that town, so everyone's riled up and been interested. But they're all out to get him. That's it because you see they're all drunk as well. They're all drunk. You see it in court shouting, don't you? See shout lynch him. Yeah. Lynch him. And the shadow called them Bluebeards. Bluebeards. Mm. Um, so they're chasing. So so yeah, they're kind of. And the, sorry, the boy doesn't actually name him, does he? No, you know, he, he can't do it, can he? No, I he feel like that's because he doesn't want. After seeing the dad, yeah, yeah, he it down. He's still like pitching it like that. Mm. He doesn't want someone else to be hung. I think again, it's about the innocence of children, isn't yeah. it? And the kid doesn't want to be responsible that for someone's dying. Mm. Yeah. I think that's what it is. So then the mob, the mob first attacked the the restaurant trying to get to the kids. Yeah. To say, oh, you poor things, and but they're like really terrifying. Mm. And then they started they, they head to the courtroom. Yeah, it's they? proper pitchforks and torches mm. and axes, yeah. isn't it? I think I think one of the reasons this probably wasn't as a great success is I think it's a real it's I think it is a real critique on, on, thick middle America. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I and think mob and like mob rule, exactly, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And even earlier on, there's the kind of outside of idiot racism bit where the man think assumes that it was the gypsies that had come into town who'd stole the horse and killed the yeah, farmer. Yeah. But we know it's actually that, and it's just that kind of blaming outsiders, the middle America falling for religion, everything yeah. here is like a critique of people who would have gone to see this film. Yeah, well, the yeah. people who are just completely unquestioning of anything that's presented. Mm. To them, especially, especially it's dressed up with a bad, and they won't, yeah. and they won't, and there's no self reflection of criticizing themselves for having fallen for the being duped by this man. Mm. Yeah, they take out their anger at being duped by him on him. Yeah, but they allowed the, they they allowed it to happen yeah. in spite yeah. of him being a completely ridiculous character. Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose in those days as well, when people were that poor because of the depression and stuff, they look for any kinds of leadership and any kinds of promise of some sort of salvation and hope. And I guess, yeah, and I guess like a preacher is quite charismatic in a small town where nothing much happens. Yeah. That's quite an event in yeah. itself, mm. isn't it? Yeah. But good old Miss Cooper doesn't fall for any of that shit, does she? No. And she gives the kids a happy ending, which is really nice. It becomes a Christmas film. It is, yeah. Could we call this a Christmas film now? Well, yes. Yeah. 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 I wanted to ask Stephen, actually. Is this a horror musical? And it came into my head as well. More so for the fact that we were talking about... Um, what's it called? Um, we talked about The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man being a musical. Mm. And I was like, my justification's there for why I think that was a musical. Mm. Kind of stood here. Because there was plot advancement through music mm. and that. Yeah. But I would say no, because I kind of feel like it was used more as like a motif, like the way in Jaws the score is used to represent mm. the shark. I feel like the song was used just as a representation of him and his evil. Mm. So I feel like it's a slightly different thing. What about the other songs? But yeah, and then there is there is like the mm. hangman song, it's a child song, and it made me question whether I was too quick to judge. But the, as a musical. But suppose the song The Pretty Flies one that represents the kids, doesn't it? That's them escaping from and, the spider. And then there's that song when they 
Yeah. They're going to sleep in the barn. Yeah. Yeah. See, like, I, well, see I, I had the opposite reaction to you because I thought because I because of your description of of how how music is used to make a musical. Watching that film, I suddenly thought maybe I was too quick to jump. Mm. Am I not doing yeah. a musical? <laughs> no, I'd say there's a bit of both. No, I, I think I oh. I think the Wicker Man is more of a musical than this. Yeah, because yeah. the Wicker Man does forward the plot. Mm. With the songs, the characters in the film sing the songs. Whereas in this film, the like the my favorite song is the gospel song, but no one sings that song. That's yeah. the score. Yeah, that's just on the soundtrack. Um, so I wouldn't have thought of this one as a musical. Yeah, every song that does actually advance the plot in this is kind of it's metaphorically advancing the plot. It's not literally saying mm. this is what's happening. Whereas it was like the little Johnny song in mm. Wicker Man is a description of what's happening this is just kind of like this song could reflect this situation yeah. and it's all diegetic so it's all like in the moment it's those people actually singing a song just because they're in that emotional state so it doesn't quite have the same characteristics as what I think Wickerman does mm. to make it a musical but there's certainly a lot a lot of music in it so it's important yeah. I love yeah I love the music I do like the scene at, uh, well we get at the end of this little epilogue don't we where um, when uh, Harry's been sneaked out to the police station at the side door the, you get a little wave off the hangman and he's very oh, enthusiastic yeah. very enthusiastic he's about much happier this yeah. I'll be happy to do this one yeah see I didn't think that was the hangman but I wasn't sure <laughs> <laughs> so Christmas time comes around and we have a lovely a lovely ending full of innocence domesticity mm. happiness Comfort and joy, and really moving. But I thought was where every other every, the kids have made presents for Mrs. Cooper or bought presents. Pot, for Mrs. pot Cooper. handles, yeah. All, I think all the girls have made pot handles for her because you burn herself on the pot, which yeah. is cooking. Whereas John, oh, a pot handle is a, like a piece of cloth that you used to pick up a pot. pot yeah, yeah. Oh, I was thinking it was just like a handle off a pot. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, why did you just make that? Well, yeah, because that was a detachable one. Uh, whereas John hasn't got any money and he, he doesn't really know how to make things so he gets an apple wraps it up an apple wraps it in a doily with a washing with a peg. peg with a little peg and gives it to her and it's really moving I think I asked like the, sh- the other scene with them where I think she's, he's asking about the story isn't he of the pharaoh that's lovely and where he she's sitting there and his hand it's not even they don't even really reference it or make a point of it but his hand just like slowly moves onto her hand yeah. and, like oh, yeah. holding hands and stuff it's like that's so nice yeah. and she yeah. says Lord, save little children. They abide and they endure. Yeah, and she's saying it like two camera. It's just like a. It's one of those films that I think you only really get in like old films where at the end of it I just like wanted to like cry. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. Yeah. I was just like, just oh, so moving. it's just so lovely. Yeah. Like the world yeah. is so much purer. <laughs> Even when it's dark and everyone's murdering everyone, it's still yeah. purer. Yeah. But he's gone back to being a child again, hasn't he? He's been. Basically, he's been an adult for. Yeah, ninety percent of this film. Yeah, it's just giving him his childhood back. Yeah, it's gone back to being a kid. And Ruby's become a woman. Ruby's become a woman. Yeah. Oh, she got a brooch. Got a brooch. I think the actress was like 22, 23, the actress playing Ruby. Uh, I remember when I got my first but you can <laughs> I don't know this sound creepy, but you can tell from her costume because yeah. earlier her costume you didn't. She was very a body was very flat. And that final scene. She's got a very, very tight-fitted dress on and she yeah. looks she, she looks more physically mature. Yeah. 
Yeah. I thought the body stocking was a step too far. <laughs> Who'd have thought in the 1950s? <laughs> Who'd have thought? Now we know what inspired Cher. So Night of the Hunter was written in 1932 and was a, like a, a... Well, when Night of the Hunter, the film, was released and had such poor reaction... They basically said it was a travesty of the novel. Mm. The novel really was, a, from to my mind, not that I've read it, was a trashy, ripped from the headlines story. Like Psycho, basically. Yeah, <laughs> because oh. because actually there was a serial killer mm. in America, the Lonely Hearts serial killer oh. in 1931, oh. and he didn't get hanged till 1932. So the book really was ripped from the headlines. Mm who placed Lonely Hearts ads, and he wasn't a preacher, but he placed Lonely Hearts ads, um, saying he was looking for love. And then he'd meet up with the women, and he'd specifically target women who were single and had children, and would murder them to get their money or their life insurance. Wow. Um, And he was arrested after killing two women and I think four children and they discovered the bodies in somebody's garage and there's bloody clothing hair a burned bank book a small bloody footprint of a child um and as they were uncovering this, the people from the town arrived and got so incensed that they formed a lynch mob. Right. Wow. Oh. Right, right. Um, so that all happened in 1931, and then there was a five-day trial, and it had to be held held in a local opera house because there was such a large number of spectators. Wow. Oh, my God, that's so long. Um, oh, wow. And... He was sentenced to death and then he was hung in March 1932. The book was released in 1932, so it really was like was it was like slapped up. Yeah. You mentioned Jonathan that that the um the character in the book, mm. Robert Mitchum's character in the book didn't have a name. Yeah. So he's called Robert Powell. The serial killer's adopted name was Harry Powers. Oh. Mm-hmm. I see. So yes, that's yeah, a little bit yeah. of our true true crime. True crime. I love how we go off into true crime. crime. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I have heard of the Lonely Hearts Club before. Yeah. It's quite a famous one as well. I'm really glad that you chose this film and we finally did it as well. Mm. It's such an amazing film. Ooh. I, I I tend to pick pretentious films or really like terrible trashy films, don't I? It's not pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> that's usually my mo. <laughs> well, maybe. But yeah. I don't think this is pretentious. This isn't. Pretentious compared to some of the things you've made me watch. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually just one of the like a fantastic piece of cinema. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautifully shot, and it's a really good quick story that does its job. I really don't understand the title. Night of the Hunter. Well, I suppose he's hunt. Uh, I suppose the night bit is a bit of a stretch because it goes over the more of a fortnight. <laughs> I wonder whether it. I wonder whether it's. I wonder whether it's taken from... I thought it was a poem or something. I wonder whether it's taken from the Bible or something. Sometimes Maybe. those sorts of titles are taken yeah. from a, like a phrase in the Bible or from a poem or something. Because yeah. I came into this completely blind today, like not knowing anything that we watched it just before. And 
I just there just wasn't any film that I was expecting to watch. I didn't have a clue when it was from or anything, but it definitely wouldn't. This type of film didn't spring to mind. Yeah, I guess from is, that title, I guess there is the pivotal night where um, Mrs. Cooper is having to be stand vigil with the shotgun, and he is definitely a hunter. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but maybe it is I guess that, like, yeah, I the night, the, the title have, isn't lit, isn't uh, isn't literal. I was wondering if I was literally missing something that was obvious, like a hangman. Um, we <laughs> get off lightly. <laughs> we get off lightly because, unfortunately, for the Swedes, mm. the title in Sweden isn't Night of the Hunter. It's Swedish title, and it translates as Pearl's Ragdoll. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> this is where the money is. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah, that is a bit. We have a DVD copy of Night of the Hunter to give away to our one lucky listener. Um, and we, we just we just pulled the film for them. What? Oh shit! Sorry about that. But you still, you know, it's free free shit. Yeah, stuff. and if you think it sounds good and you want to go and watch it exactly then there we go on. so we've got a lovely DVD giveaway of Night of the Hunter to one lucky listener who can answer um, a tricky little question um, that Jonathan Butler is going to pose to you right now go on John what is it uh, what <laughs> what did Robert Mitchum go to jail for shortly before the, this film shortly before this film was it, was, it? it was he made this film mm-hmm. after it oh. it, it um, his conviction added to his street cred. Mm. So he actually, rather than affecting his career negatively, it affected it positively. That's amazing. Wow. What did he do? What did Robert do? Well, let us know. Um, you need to either tweet us. You can say, tweet me at Johnny Larkin, tweet Jonathan at... Cthulhu502. Or tweet Stephen. HD99. Or you can... Um, I'll put a post up. When, when this episode goes out, I'll put a post up on the Facebook group. So you can comment on the Facebook group. So whoever is the first person to let us know the answer. What? How are you going to let Martin know? Oh, you'll find me at the counter of Icy Spoon. <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with, with boiling fudge. With boiling fudge. <laughs> My fudge will be boiling. <laughs> Simmering. <laughs> what the hunter about that smell gosh, my scars on a low. Um, so yeah, there will be a post by now. By the time you listen to this, there will be a post in our Facebook group. So go on Facebook, search for Screaming Queens, like us, um, and comment under the post. And the first person to get in touch will win a brand new, not even opened, a shiny new DVD of a Sh- shiny new VHS. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. It barely jumps or anything. Don't need to do any tracking. I haven't taped over it or anything. Yeah. Probably what some of them are probably worth a lot, now, aren't they? Have you got a? I was after a copy of Possession on um, VHS, and do you want to like forty quid for it? Oh, I don't know. See, that's pretentious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening to this episode. If you've got any opinions on the film, did you like it? Did you not like it? Do you, ha- do you hate it? You're never going to listen to us again. <laughs> Yeah, also, I'd just like to just throw in there, um, thank you very much to everybody who listens to us and RTs us on Twitter, shares us on Facebook, etc. RTs? Retweets. We don't even use real words anymore. Thank you for RTing SQ on T. <laughs> um, 
Um, and yeah, we really appreciate it. We love our horror community online, and we like the fact that we all look after each other and share each other's work because that's what communities do. Uh, so thank you for back to Jonathan. Sorry, I just, wanted, <laughs> I just, just wanted to put the love out there. Sorry, that was that was really um, <laughs> it was absolutely awful. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so thanks for listening. Um, See you next time. Bye for now. Bye, Jonathan. Bye. Bye, Stephen. Bye. Bye, Mark. Bye. sleep.